Lord, bless this sermon. Lord, it's a weighty sermon on the person of Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, rightly divide it from your word. Oh, God, we ask for help and truth to flow in and through us by the power of your word. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. There's different uh, views and opinions on President Trump. Uh, Of course, Republican, Democrat uh, would just be the beginning of your uh, worldviews. But uh, something that's been a great encouragement to me is that uh, the man will humble himself and go and visit a common um, child in the hospital who has cancer, whose dream it's always been to uh, meet the president. He goes and visits people who have been greatly affected uh, by tragedy in their lives and, uh, and puts himself as far as in the social status down, down, down to bring great humility uh, where, frankly, it ought to be uh, to the office of president. And, of course, there's also um, other issues where we wouldn't say that's displayed. But uh, anyway, that, that is a great encouragement for me. Others have done that over the years. They've been in great high positions, social status, uh, authoritative statuses, even kings and queens and monarchs and superstars, and have humbled themselves and, uh, and just displayed that they are mere human beings like the rest of us. Well, today we're going to look at Uh, Somebody a little different than that. Same situation in nature, humbling yourself, coming down, down, down in a social uh, reputation and a social display, coming down, 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 but it's going to be much more glorious. Let's look at Philippians chapter 2. We're going to key in on 5 through 11. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Now, I want to read that again because we don't seem to catch that. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I think in the Christian church, The predominant view of Jesus Christ is far too small. I think in my own heart, the predominant view of Jesus Christ is far too shallow. I think in every Christian, we struggle with that. And I want to try to be used of the Lord to help see him more clearly as he really is. And thus that changed the way we think about life, 
about him and about everything that he's reigning over. Verse 5, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. It's talking about selfless, um, compassionate, looking to others above yourselves, as we know. We've had David read, uh, seek others' good above yourself, and then it uses Christ as an example. But it says your attitude, your thinking, regular processes should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And I want to start there and I want to finish there because that is going to be our key to putting this truth on, to living it out, is active thinking, choosing to direct our minds on an object of thought, active thinking on the Lord through his word. What did Jesus do when Satan tempted him? He quoted, help me, the word, scripture, every time. Whenever he was challenged by the Jews, he quoted the scriptures. Have you not read, he said? Have you not heard? Have you not read what Moses said, he said? Have you not read what David said? Jesus quoted scripture because Jesus knew. Let, let, let me actually quote it. Uh, John 3, 34. The one whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God gives his spirit without measure. Jesus spoke the revealed words of God, the whole testament, because God gave his spirit to Jesus in his human nature without measure. So Jesus had all this scripture read and memorized and meditated on and was able to quote it and glorify the Father through that in his human nature. And the scripture says your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. We're also responsible to get the scripture known, meditated on, and to be able to walk by the Spirit constantly through taking our thoughts captive. Let's just start there, and then we're going to finish there. Now we have a, a massive example, but there's a lot of theology behind this. So track with me, would you? Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself of no reputation or nothing. So let's dig in a little bit. Who being in very nature God. Now, Jesus isn't... The first created Arianism. Jesus didn't come into existence in his divine nature in a point of time or even before time. Jesus is the great I am, the second person of the Trinity. He is eternally the Son of God. And his person in the Godhead as the Son of God, has some attributes that I just want to share with you. Now, this, this, this sermon is going to have to be listened to over and over again if you want to really grow through it and get deep. If you'd also like to grow through it, get a pen and write some text down so you could look into them again. 
But you're not going to be able to go to all these scriptures now, is my point. So what are the attributes of a person of the Godhead we have to discern first? Because Jesus was in very nature in his personhood. God, it says. Morphe in the Greek. The very same nature of God. First, I want to look at, if you are a person in the Godhead, you are going to have a divine mind. You are going to have an all-knowing mind. It is called, help me, omniscience. What's it called? Omniscience. Good. Let's see if Jesus had a divine mind. Matthew eleven twenty seven. Jesus said, all things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. Hmm. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. God the Father is incomprehensible in his divine essence unless he reveals himself to us. God the Son is incomprehensible. He is infinitely glorious. And no one knows the Son except the Father. But no one knows the Father except the Son. Jesus knows the Father because he has an omniscient mind. He has an infinitely capable mind to understand all truth. Uh, In Revelation 11, excuse me, in Revelation 2, 23, Jesus said, I am he who searches hearts and minds. He is the omniscient one who searches hearts and minds. In, in uh, Luke 6, 8, it says, Jesus knew what they were thinking in their thoughts. Again, Lord, you know all things, Peter said. You know that I love you. In him is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus has an omniscient divine mind. He always has. He's eternally the second person of the Trinity. He had to to create. You can't create everything if you don't know everything. Can I get an amen? Jesus also had infinitely holy, holy, holy emotions. We see in Isaiah 6, Isaiah see the Lord on his throne. He said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And John chapter 12 says, Isaiah saw Jesus's glory. That's Isaiah 12, 39 through 41. It says, Isaiah saw Jesus's glory. Glory In Ephesians 3, 17 through 19, Paul prays that you may get to know the breadth and the depth and the height and the width of the love of Christ, which is beyond understanding, he says. It's infinite. His love, his holy affections is unlimited. How about his will? Does he have an omnipotent all-powerful will. Is he really a person in the Godhead? Does he really have the nature of God and his personal attributes? 
Well, Philippians, the same book we're at. Let's look at it. Turn to the right one page. 320 and 21. It says, Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Wow. Wow. Jesus has everything under his control. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, he's sustaining all things by his powerful word. Wow. I'd say he's omnipotent. Amen. He is before all things, Colossians 1.17, and in him all things hold together. He's choosing to sustain everything. Mm-mm-mm. He's the all-powerful Lord Jesus Christ. Through him all things were created. John 1, 1 through 3, Colossians 1.15. So Jesus has an infinite, omniscient, all-knowing mind. Infinite, holy, holy, holy emotions and an omnipotent, all-powerful will. Here's a question. Is he omnipresent? Help me. Is he omnipresent? Yes. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, help me, and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In John 1.48, he told Nathaniel, I tell you the truth, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. I was there also. (laughs) He has a divine nature in his as the second person of the Godhead. And he's omnipresent. In Acts 18, 9 through 11, it also says, Jesus said, uh, go ahead and speak the truth. No one will, will stop you. No one's going to kill you. He says, Jesus says, I am with you to Paul. One more attribute before we move on. Immutability. That means he's unchanging. As we know, this is in in his divine nature. Jesus' divine nature, help me, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13.8. Hebrews 1.8 through 10 says, He changes not. And John 8.58, he claims to be the great I am. The unchanging, eternal one, self-existent. Jesus is Jehovah God the Son. He always has been. The second person of the Trinity. He's really a person with an infinite omniscient mind, infinite holy emotions, all-powerful will. He's present in fullness everywhere. We're talking about a spirit with powers. He's glorious. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, clutched, or coveted, or held on to for his own earthly gain, the idea is. All the honors of being worshipped and praised and adored and bowed to and submitted to and 
and repented toward and even trusted and all that. He did not consider all that as something not to be set aside in his visible display of glory. But made himself, I believe the New King James has the best translation of that, made himself of no reputation, it says. Other Bibles say nothing. Made himself nothing. Now, I want to dig in here just a little bit to what does that mean he made himself nothing? Well, the idea here is obviously not he gave up any of his divine attributes or his deity or his prerogatives or any other heresy that people claim, the kenosis heresy. We won't go there by God's grace because the Bible says Jesus in his divine nature is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He cannot change. Can God the Father stop being omniscient? No. Can God the Father stop being omnipresent? No. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. But what he did do, remember, saints, John 1.18 says, No one has seen God the Father at any time. But God, the one and only Son, who's at the Father's side, has made him known. Jesus has always been the person who made appearances to his creatures as God. No one has seen God the Father at any time, but God the one and only Son who is at the Father's side has made him known. Any time in the Old Testament where you see a person of the Godhead appear, it is the Son of God. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the radiance of God's glory. He is the one who reveals God to man as the Savior. He comes in the Old Testament as the angel of the Lord. And you say, how do you know the angel of the Lord is not an angel of the Lord? Because first of all, there's a definite article, the angel of the Lord. And second of all, he's worshipped. He's called Jehovah God. He's omnipresent. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. He's the deliverer. He's clearly the second person of the Trinity. Remember, angel means messenger. He's the messenger of salvation. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So anytime in the Old Testament God appears to man in radiant glory in a, in a uh, personal form, it's always the Son of God taking on an appearance, as we see in Isaiah chapter 6. Well, now that wasn't going to happen for 33 years. Now, the very second person of the Godhead, since he is an invisible spirit anyway, was going to become incarnate, let's see, and add humanity to his personhood. Let's look. Made himself of no reputation, taking the very nature of a servant, a slave, a doulas. Being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man. Jehovah God the Son, who has an infinite omniscient mind, who has infinite holy, holy, holy emotions, 
who has an omnipotent, all-powerful will, whose present fullness everywhere, who's unchanging, whose eternal added humanity to his personhood. Wow. He veiled his glory with a common humanity. Mm, mm, mm. Let's dig into that just a little bit. But made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Do you remember what he said in, 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 in Matthew 20, 28? He said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to what? Serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Son of God became a human being so that he could be a slave. So that he can obey the Father, his Master, perfectly. Willingly he did this. A doulos, a love slave. Wow. And he came, though he deserved infinite worship and honor and praise and glory, he chose to act like just a common slave and servant. That is just amazing. It says in 2 Corinthians uh, 3.9 that though he were rich, Yet for your sake he became poor. So that through his poverty you might become rich. Right? The son of man. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the son of man, help me, had no place to lay his head. He actually became homeless for us, guys. He became a very servant for us and for the glory of God. Being made in human likeness. The Son of God added humanity to his personhood. True humanity. Guys, we need to get that. Fully God. Fully Jehovah God the Son. Yet he added humanity to his person. True humanity. Body with all the appetites and the senses and and the uh, bodily passions. Hmm. Instincts to live, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Hmm. Ability to suffer and even experience disease, hematohydrosis, blood sweat. Wow. He was thirsty. He was exhausted at the well. It says he's almost collapsed exhaustion in the Greek. Wow. He was. He was sleeping in the back of the boat while there was a furious storm. How's that for exhausted in his human nature? He was fully human with the body and all its bodily powers and a true human soul like you and me. And a soul, help me, has a mind, emotions, and will. Jesus grew in wisdom. Stature, favor with God and men. He had a human mind. Jesus was indignant that his disciples were stopping the little children. He had human emotions. And Jesus chose to fulfill all righteousness as the second Adam. He had a human will. Jesus is fully God and fully man. And his humanity is fully human with the body and all its instincts, appetites, and passions, 
and a rational, emotional, responsible soul. You say, wait a minute. If he was tempted in every way, and if his body powers, his flesh powers, could experience the effects of the fall, did his flesh powers ever govern his heart and get the best of him? And the answer is what? No. But don't, don't, don't nullify the fact that he had to be made like his brothers in every way. In order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest to God. And might make atonement for the sins of his people. Since he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. He really was tempted. His flesh really was screaming at him. But his soul took his thoughts captive and always, help me, did the will of his father who sent him. Wow. Real humanity. Being found in appearance as a man. Everybody viewed him as just a man. Nobody knew he was Jehovah God the Son. And even when he revealed that, what did they want to do? They picked up stones to stone him. Wow. His own disciples doubted. Jesus appeared after the resurrection. Matthew 28, 17. He appeared to them afterwards. And it says... They believed, but some doubted. Thomas, doubting Thomas, they came and told him. And he said, what? I will never believe unless I see his holes in his hands and his side. And I put my fingers in them. And what did the Lord graciously and most gently do? He appeared to him and he said, behold, my hands. My side. Touch me and see it as I. Even took some bread and had some food in front of them. So Jesus being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, clutched, or held on to for his own earthly gain, but made himself of no reputation. Made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a slave being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. A true man. That's all he appeared as, a true man. Until from his exhausted sleep, he stood up and said to the wind and the waves, what? Help me. Quiet, be still. Wow. Boom. Jehovah God, omnipotent. Jehovah God the Son speaking forth a powerful word. Jesus humbled himself so though he was Jehovah God, he is Jehovah God, he added human nature to his personhood to become a slave for our salvation. Took on humanity, added humanity to his personhood. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, here we go, he humbled himself and became obedient to death even death on a cross. Jesus humbled himself so much, not just to become a man, not just to put himself under parents' authority, under fallen uh, judicial authority, uh, unjust judges and rulers, false religious leaders. 
He did all that. He put himself under their authority. Wow. Humbled himself. So, But he came obedient to the Father. He came obedient even to, help me, death. And it doesn't stop there. God can't die, guys. Jehovah God the Son can't die. He's the great I Am. He's eternally the second person of the Trinity. He can't die unless he adds humanity to his personhood and allows himself to be killed. Humbles himself so and allows himself to be killed. He has humbled himself and became obedient to death. And it doesn't stop there, guys. Even death on the cross. What? The worst form of torture found to that day? The crucifixion was so heinous, so torturous, so painful. Just to stay alive on it for 10 minutes, you had to pull yourself up to take a breath because you were suffocating your own self, hanging. So to stay alive on it for six plus hours, as Jesus did, the physical torture was unspeakable. The spiritual wrath of God coming down upon his soul was the real pain. He was crushed by the wrath of God for our iniquities. He humbled himself so he became obedient to death, even death on the cross. He was obedient. He fulfilled all righteousness. And he died to pay your debt. Dear friends, Jehovah God the Son added humanity to his personhood and became a slave for your salvation. He washed feet. He went to the cross. And he died an infinitely agonizing death. He took hell for six hours on the cross for your sins were placed upon his body and soul. All of your sins, my sins, all the elect sins, was credited to his spiritual bank account on the cross, and he suffered for them. (laughs) And in doing that, he fulfilled perfect obedience to the law, to the Father's plan, and in every way. So that his righteousness through faith can be credited to our spiritual bank account. You're going to stand before God someday. And he, you won't be, he won't be asking this question. But you need to be asked now. If you died right now and you stood before God and he said, why should I let you into my kingdom? If any other answer in your heart is... Because of Jesus. You might want to check yourselves. Can I get an amen? Jesus, Papa. I have no claim but Jesus. And that by grace through faith. I trust Jesus. He obeyed the law for me. I trust his righteousness. He paid my debt on the cross for me. He rose from the grave so that I will rise in the future. I have no hope but Jesus. As a matter of fact, Papa, please don't talk to me. Talk to my defense attorney. Jesus. 
because of his faithfulness and humility and great loving act to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Therefore, verse 9, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. God exalted him to the highest place. The highest throne of glory. He has preeminence over all. He must reign until he has put all things under his feet. Wow. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. Head over angels, authorities, and powers that are in submission to him. Jesus is on the throne right now governing over all things. The good, the bad, the hard, the easy, the blessings, the curses. That's right. He's the judge. Look here on that one. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Everybody, that's angels, men, devils, demons, fallen, wicked people who have been in hell's sufferings. They're going to be called to the great white throne. And they're going to bow before the great judge. Revelation twenty eleven. I saw him who was sitting on the throne and earth and sky fled from his presence and there was no place for them. Then he opened the books. And he judged everyone according to their deeds. Everyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the final lake of fire. Jesus is going to be the judge. John five twenty two and 23, Jesus said, Moreover, my father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue will confess in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, the Messiah, Lord, you can unpack it on your own in Psalm 2. It consists of four things as the heir and Lord. He's the owner. He's the manager or governor. He's the judge and he's the savior. He's the owner. He's the governor or manager. He's the judge and he is the savior. It lays those four out very clear in Psalm 2. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. What's it all, what's it all about? What's it all for? How does he end? To the glory of God the Father. Wow. Jesus is in the stead of the Father, so to speak, on the universal throne, reigning over all things. At the end, he must reign. Let's look at that. Let's close with that. We'll come back here real quick, but let's, let's close on our theological unpackings of that. In 1 Corinthians... 15. Here we go. 15. Going from 25. 
Let's go up to 22. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive, but each in his own turn. Christ the firstfruits. Then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father. After he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Wow! All to the glory of God the Father. He is the radiance of God's glory. All truth comes to us through the word of God, by the power of the Spirit, as Jesus is revealing to us. As the prophet of all prophets, all grace and forgiveness comes to our great high priest who is ever living to intercede for us. And all power and assurance and sanctification and protection and direction comes through our King of Kings, the Lord Jesus Christ, glorified, exalted, and reigning over all. Therefore, let's go back to one. Your attitude, help me Lord, should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. If Jesus could humble himself so, I'm just saying, shouldn't we give up our spot sometimes? Shouldn't we consider others better than ourselves sometimes? Shouldn't we want the big, not want the biggest, biggest piece of steak on the platter sometimes? Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Let us pray that God might help us be more selfless and, and uh, sacrificial and consider others better than ourselves. Let us pray. Oh... Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Would you help us, Lord? Would you help us through your Son? We come to you asking you for help. Jesus, our great King, help us, Lord, to be more selfless and sacrificial. I thank you for this church. I thank you that they have tasted and seen that you are good. And they are a selfless people. Nevertheless, Lord, we can grow. We need to be more selfless, all of us, Lord compassionate and and lord we just ask for help in that we praise you we love you we trust your work thank you father in jesus name amen